I am so glad that you are here for our Easter service today. Um, I have some of my pastor friends who complain that there are some people who only go to church on Easter and Christmas. I don't complain. I'm just glad that you're here. I have some friends. I don't know if you're here. (laughs) I have some friends who told me, who come from another religion, never been in a church, who told me they're going to be in church today. Maybe you're like that too. I'm just glad that you are here. And I'll tell you, Easter is one of those days when those of us who are in church all the time and those who never go to church should go to church. I'll tell you why, because if you want to know uh, what this is all about, what this Christian faith is all about, uh, today is the day to come. Uh, The Apostle Paul uh, would say that at the very heart of this Christian message is this, and I put it up here for you to see it, 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, but that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 people at the same time, and then Paul adds, most of whom are still living, so you can ask them, though some have passed away. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And and then you know there are so many churches around. One of the things you need to know this is this, that, that the matter of believing that there's a real resurrection from the dead is not an optional extra. I mean, every true follower of Jesus has believed this, and every church that is a church should be proclaiming this today. So just see a few verses later in 1 Corinthians 15. If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Because if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. So, so, so I hope you see it. If you want to understand what this uh, Christian faith is all about, uh, you, you should show up at church on Easter Sunday, don't you think? So here's what I want to do. I, I'll go at it as quickly as I can. On this Easter uh, 2013, I want to look at these texts that Robert and Liz have read for us. Did you notice there were two episodes? And in each of them, Paul preached an Easter message. It wasn't on Easter Day, but it was an Easter message. And he was talking to a group of people who didn't know anything about Jesus and anything about the Bible. And both times, he said the heart of the matter is that God has come into this world and then he defeated death through a resurrection. See, and that's what we're celebrating, right? So let's look at those episodes. Uh, episode number one, uh, here's what I called it. Uh, street preaching at the Rose Parade. Not, not really. You, not, not really. Uh, I just wanted you to wake up for a minute w- with me here. Um, actually, they were in Athens, Greece, at a place called the Areopagus, or, or Mars Hill, it was sometimes called. And, and the story can be found in Acts chapter 17. So, Athens, Greece. <clears throat> It was the entertainment capital, uh, sort of the cultural capital, and even the intellectual center uh, of the ancient world. In in so many ways, I thought, that's a lot like Southern California. So I started thinking about what kind of an event in our own community 
uh, would we uh, expect to have a lot of people roaming around? And the Rose Parade is what came to my mind. And so if you can envision that, that's happened all the time at Mars Hill. I've been there, and I think I have a picture of it here for you. You can see right now there's not so much that happens except tourism. But back when Paul was alive, it was a, a hill overlooking the Athens, Greece. And uh, there, there would be booths set up and people would be there. There would be intellectuals there. I don't think they had a Caltech. Let's say Athens Tech uh, was there. And the political people would be there just like at the Rose Parade, trying to get to know, shaking hands with people. And all, all the religions were there. And, they were, and Paul had been there. And as he looked around, he saw religious people. Uh, they believed in some sort of spiritual life. Uh, they'd carved out things, different booths where they were trying to get people to, to buy their gods and things. And he looked around and he said, these people believe in some sort of, of, a, of a God, but they don't know God. You can read through this, his sermon. He became very passionate about this, I think, if you would have heard him. They need to know about Jesus. They need to know that the God that they intuitively know must exist, does exist. And that he's made us to know him so you can read the sermon. He said, people here of Athens, and Paul was a scholar. So, so he knew their literature and their art. And he drew upon their own you know, Greek literature and art. And he said, even in your own literature and art, I see that people believe that there's more to this world than just material stuff. There's got to be more to this world than just, just money and, and, and things carved out of wood. So if you believe that deep in your heart, that there's got to be more in this world, the God who made the world has come into this world. And he's not a part of this world. Oh, think about the, the things you carve out. That's not God. And I think to us, he'd say the things we live for, like money or ourselves. We're not gods. We're made by God. And God loves us, made us to know him. He has come into this world. He lived the life we should have lived. Only one has lived perfectly. You and I know we need some things in our past to be uh, cleaned up and forgiven. God has done it. He bore our penalty on the cross and he defeated sin and death by a physical resurrection. That's what the Apostle Paul preached. And he said now that he's done this, and you can read this at the end of a sermon... God now is commanding all people, I mean, off-time churchgoers and people who only have come the Easter Sunday morning, all people everywhere to repent. And I know we don't like that word in 21st century all that much, do you? It means instead of me living for myself and living these patterns of life that I've been living, I say, no, that's not the way we'll turn to God. It's a turning around. Everybody is to turn to God and turn away from our lives, find forgiveness. Because God has set a day when he will judge the world. He'll do it with justice. He'll make things right. He'll do it through the man he has appointed, namely Jesus. And if you wonder, why should I believe this instead of all the other gods out there in the world? This is what he says. God has given proof of this to everyone by raising Jesus from the dead. He said, things have changed. Used to be death took everything away. Now that thing is going to be turned around. Life can begin to reign in this world. Now people had been listening intently to Paul up to this point. But at this point, they get so upset, and you can read about it, some mocked, it said. 
earlier, some of them said, this guy is a babbler. He's just talking about strange gods. But here's my point. Uh, To a crowd that knew that there was some sort of spiritual life but didn't know anything about Jesus in the Bible, Paul said, where you've got to start is with the resurrection. He told them about God's son who'd come into the world, who'd lived in this world perfectly, who died in our place, but sin, evil, even death couldn't defeat him. There is hope because Jesus is risen from the dead. That was a sermon. It's a good one, don't you think? Now, the second episode uh, I've called Defending the Faith at City Hall. Um, It's from Acts 26, a few chapters later. And I'll tell you, in the second episode, it's Apostle Paul again, out there preaching to people again. And he was in deep trouble. In fact, he was in Jerusalem. I I think I have a map here so that you can see it. Uh, And he was preaching about Jesus there in Jerusalem. And what he was saying is, now that Jesus has come and died on the cross, he's died for all people. He came through the Jewish people. He came for the Jewish people, but he came for to be a blessing for all people. Now all people can be in the one family of God. And many people hated that message. And so they seized him. They took him before the ruling Jewish council. But, but Paul was a Roman citizen. Now, I don't know if this, you're tracking with this, but he had certain rights as a Roman citizen. So he was able to get out of being captured by the Jewish authorities. And they said, we've got to get him out of here because they'd heard that there were people there in Jerusalem who had taken a vow that they were not going to eat and drink until they had gotten rid of Paul. So they whisked him away and they took him, if you look at that map again, up the coast. Can you put that there? Great map. From Jerusalem, they took him up the coast. See the Caesarea up there? I've been there many times. It's a beautiful place. It's right on the seaside. Uh, Herod the Great had built this remarkable city, and I hope you'll get to go and see it. But it was, it was a governmental city of that area. And while Paul was there, he was taken to see two powerful political people. Uh, one was the governor, his name was Festus, uh, the governor of that whole area. And the other one was the local king. I know king seems bigger, but in this situation it wasn't. The local king was Agrippa, who had grown up in Rome, though he was a Jewish man. And so they were going to have to see, why did these people seize Paul down there in Jerusalem? And so Festus, the Roman man, uh, heard about it, and he summarized the problem. You can see it in verse 25, verse 19. I think I put it here so you can see it. So here's the problem, he said. There is a dead man named Jesus whom Paul claims is alive. See, they just weren't used to seeing people dead one day. I mean... uh, completely dead, not just mostly dead, I mean really dead, (laughs) and then walking around. So, you see, the heart of this matter, you see it, is what we're celebrating today. And Paul's message to these two powerful men is what I want to talk to you about today. He said, I personally met Jesus. I I was not a follower of Jesus, Paul said. Uh, In fact, I was on a road going to a place called Damascus where I was going to persecute people who talked about Jesus, when I've got to tell you, a governor and king, I met him, I know he died, and then I met him personally. And he let me know that in spite of what I had done, he loved me, that he had died to pay for my sins and evil, and he in fact had lived and died so that all people, all people, 
Jewish people like me, Paul would say, and, and Gentile people too, can come to know God personally when they turn their lives over to him and put their faith in Jesus. Uh, so he said, we know God is greater than the evil in this world because Jesus bore it on himself. We know that God is greater than even the worst enemy than death because Jesus embraced it and overcame it with a resurrection. It happened, he said. Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. Now, Festus, the the, uh, governor, he was also listening happily to this. If he'd been in our world, probably playing around with his iPad, looking, seeing how many... Can't see up in the balcony. Uh, might be a few to do it. When he had to drop that thing for just a few moments, and he, when Paul talked about the resurrection from the dead, here's what happened. Uh, the governor uh, said to him, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you insane. Which is almost the opposite of what people today say. If, if you're religious, they say you haven't had any learning. But back then, they knew that this man was well, well educated, and you, you, you have lost your mind. And to this, Paul said, Governor, I am not out of my mind. I'm quite rational. Uh, listen to me. I'm simply telling you about what happened. And, he said, if you wonder, you can ask King Agrippa, who lived there in the area, about it, and hear one of the most remarkable statements in the Bible about the resurrection. It's found in chapter 26, verse 26. He says, Governor, the king is familiar with these things about a man dying and then being raised. And I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. In other words, this claim that he made that a man had really died and had risen again wasn't something that was hidden back there. But there are witnesses all over the place. You've got to remember, this happened like 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. The witnesses to this, they were still alive, at least most of them. Uh, Paul would say a, a group of women were the first ones to see that he was risen. And, and then some of these followers of Jesus, earlier ones who were afraid on the way to, to Emmaus, then they saw him. Then the 12 closest one, the apostles, they saw him do. And then 500 people at one time saw that this one that they had seen dying one day was risen again. We know he died. He really died. But king and governor, it happened. He is risen. We have seen him. And see, Paul was saying, governor, the king knows this because all the witnesses are out there. I am not out of my mind because the evidence is indisputable. And then look at this interchange. I put it with, with the king. Agrippa may be a little bit embarrassed because he was called to say, you know that everybody's talking about this. Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, I wish I could give replies this quickly. I go home and I think of really good things afterwards. But <laughs> look at what he says. Short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. All right, there are two Easter messages, right? Now today we're here. 
through these episodes, what do I pray God's word might say through me to you? And I thought of a thousand things, but I knew you wouldn't stay that long. So first thing I just want to say is something about having questions about God and about matters like this, that a man truly could die in this world and defeat death and offer you hope and a new life that resurrection from the dead can really happen. I want to say just a word about this. Uh, Years ago, when I was um, living in Chicago, I was a business academic community there. After a message I gave, I had a wonderful man come up to me and he said to me something like this, Pastor Waybright, I'm not religious, but you gave a good speech today. My wife has started coming to church. Somehow she likes to listen to you, but she told me you are an educated man. Now, I know you have to say things at Easter to all of these people around here about resurrection. But he said, just between you and me, you don't really believe all that stuff, do you? (laughs) Some of you might be thinking that, too. And he went on to tell me what I had heard so many times in my life, uh, that he believed that the people in the Bible who wrote these stories were sincere, but they were gullible and misguided. Ancient people believed in anything. They believed in, 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 in miracles. And he said, yeah, there are some of these churchgoers. They believe that stuff. But you and I, we don't believe in such superstitions. So listen to me today. You with me? Ancient people were not as gullible and uninformed as we moderns like to think. I'll tell you, in both of our stories today, when Paul talked about a person who was dead uh, walking around, they weren't ready just to buy that because they were ancient people, right? I mean, in their world, uh, they didn't have people who in one day were seen really to die and then uh, on the next day do the things that people had seen Jesus doing. He ate fish and it didn't just fall through his body. He had meetings with people. But the point is that people had seen that this bodily, physical resurrection of Jesus had happened. But but, but their their philosophers among the Greek people, uh, they didn't believe that these things happened. Uh, Read that Acts 16 story. The, The Stoics, the Epicureans were there, two of the major philosophies. Both of them said and taught that when a person's body goes into the grave, that's it. There were a few people who believed in what was called the immortality of the soul, which is kind of like what some people think now that we sort of float off into clouds with harps or something. And there were a few people who believed that that the body, that, that the soul that we have enters into some other living creature, but they didn't believe in this. And yet, before the end of a century, people among every people group, including these these Greeks, were following this Jesus. How'd that happen? And the answer is given in what Paul said to Festus. Look at the evidence. There are people all around who have seen this. Credible witnesses saw Jesus crucified. Hundreds of us are witnesses to it. It didn't happen in a corner. It's true. So I want to say to you today, I mean so many centuries later, to consider the evidence too. If you have many questions, go ahead and ask them. Question your questions. 
So many people tell me they think that the early people, early church people made up this story so that people might, you know, become a part of their group. Well, I'll just one thing. Did you know that women were not viewed as credible witnesses in the first century world? I know that might offend some of you women, but, but it's true. If they were going to make up a story just to try to get people to follow their group, why would they have had the first witnesses being women? You wouldn't do that if you're making up a story. Do you know why they said the first witnesses were women? Because the first witnesses were women. That, that's why. That's why. And then hundreds more have done it. And then just think of the disciples. They, like so many others, when they were following somebody and that person has been imprisoned or, or, or dies, they, they, they disperse or they're afraid or they're cowering. So one day that's what happened. The close disciples were cowering in an upper room, afraid. It's not true. They Luke 24. And the next day they were out telling everybody about Jesus. Where'd that come from? They had seen the risen Jesus. And it didn't just happen a little while. Uh, so many of those same disciples, almost all of them, preached it their whole lives. And at the end of their lives, they were willing to die for this message. I'm telling you, there might be two or three nuts who would die for a hoax, but not all of them. The very existence of the church comes because people saw that this happened. So that's the first thing I want you to take home with you today. I, I, I want you to ask the questions that you have about religion and about God and particularly about Jesus and his resurrection. I want you to look intently at the evidence. If you say, oh, but I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit of a skeptic, Pastor, then for a little while I want you to be skeptical about your skepticism. And as I said to my skeptical scholar back in Chicago, no, I do believe it. I do believe that Jesus is risen, and I believe that if you will look at the evidence, you will too. Then the last thing that I want you to take home with you is something about Easter and what maybe deep down you hope for. Again, there's so many things that, I, that Jesus fills our inner beings with. You heard a Christian talk about that, and Daniel and, and even Terry. Uh, what kinds of things? The, the Easter message that I'm giving you is a message that says the things you and I long for most deeply... Uh, are, are, are found or made possible because death has been defeated and sin has been overcome? Like what? Uh, like the impact of death? So many in our church, and I'm sure others visiting with us, have, have had a death of somebody you love in this past year. Or maybe you've even been told about a, your own terminal illness, and you realize that when death comes, as it comes to us all, that the things that most people live for are taken away. Uh, Albert Camus, in his story, A Happy Death, had the main character, a main man named Patrice. He asked his girlfriend, Marta, he said, all right, uh, what is it that you most live for? What is it you most enjoy? Uh, and, and she told him, and, and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do that for a period of time, a day, really live life, and then the next day you'll die. And, and Marta said, I don't think I could enjoy that all that much if I knew I was going to die so soon. <laughs> to which Patrice rightly uh, says to her, why? 
What does it matter if you exist for two or for 20 years? Don't you know that whether you live a day or many years, that thing will be taken away? Come on, that's, that's you and I have to come to grips with this. What do you live for? A job, a career, your, your, your family? Just not, what do you live for? Good things sometimes, bad things at other times. Whatever it is, eventually death takes that away. We have to have something else that can't be taken away at the center of our beings. And what Easter declares to you is that that thing you long to be true is true. That we don't have to live for temporary things. Temporary things can be such a joy when they're not the main thing. Because the impact of death has been taken away. Christ is risen. And those of us who believe in him will be risen too. Then then the last thing. Do you ever hope or have this longing that um, that tomorrow will be different from yesterday or even today? Did you hear these powerful testimonies? You experience a baptism and and you see these men uh, saying they were buried with Christ in his death. Which means that the things in their past that are wrong, addictions or, or whatever there that is wrong, is buried when Christ died. It's washed away. It's gone. Guilt, shame, gone. We're buried with him. What he did provides my forgiveness. Powerful stuff, right? And then strong Jeff pulls him out of the water. <laughs> and you are risen to live a new life. Is, is that possible? These are great men. They're not perfect men. Ask their families. I love Christian. Uh, one of the things brought him to Jesus, he knew some things needed to change. Um, can they change? One of my favorite quotes, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Um, Human nature changes not much faster than the geological formations of the earth. It's slow, slow. We, we're slow. But I'm telling you, the one who made the geological formations of the earth has come into this world, will come into our lives, and is ready to change our lives. Because the resurrection power becomes available to us. The same Apostle Paul, Ephesians chapter 1. Here's what I pray, and this is my prayer for you. That you may know the hope to which he has called you. And I pray that you will know his incomparably great power. That comes to all of us who believe the power available for your family to change, your marriage to change, your own life to change. Where does it come from? The power that God gives us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Oh, hallelujah. And the response he calls us to is the very same one he called to the people to in Athens, Greece, and um, these two powerful people. To the people in Athens, Acts 17, God commands all people everywhere to repent. Are you honest enough to say there's some things in my life that need to change? There's some things in my life that need to be forgiven. He's ready. He's ready to take those things and cast them away. He calls all of us to turn our self-directed lives over to him, to turn away from them to him. And as he said to the king, 
do you believe? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be rescued. Your life can be different. Because Jesus Christ is risen. He is. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is risen. To his glory. Amen. Amen.